0: Hello and welcome to another episode of SoccerCast Chicago. I am Alex Campbell and my co-host for the day is a man who's been on the podcast before, Jake Payne, in addition to being a founding member of Black Fires Chicago, here in the Chicago soccer community, is also a founder of the FC Koln supporters group here in Chicago. Koln taking on Leipzig this afternoon in the Bundesliga, losing 4-2. Jake, thanks so much for coming back on SoccerCast. Yeah,
1: man, thanks. Always a pleasure talking to you and uh, um, coming on.
0: So we're going to talk more about the game in a little bit. You know, Cole still solidly mid-table, shouldn't be too scared, but definitely wanted to start the show today by taking a few minutes to reflect on the events of the past couple days that have seen protests across the United States following the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police. Uh, We saw this show up in the soccer world as well, particularly throughout the Bundesliga games these last few days. Marcus Taram at Gladbach, Jaden Sancho and Ashraf Hakimi at Dortmund, Weston McKinney, the American at Shelka, Tyler Adams today on his boots had written Justice for George Floyd. We saw Liverpool at team training today make quite a statement. So Jake, I wanted to start by getting your thoughts on when you saw all of this over the last couple of days from these players, what does it mean to you and what are your what is your reaction to seeing these guys use this international platform they have in the way that they chose to? Um
1: it means a lot, but I think what would mean more is if the teams here took it seriously. I think it actually is kind of pathetic that people in a completely different continent in a completely different league are more are putting more light on this than a lot of the teams and leagues here in the States and it's just it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Um It it, it, it looks pathetic to America. It looks pathetic to other countries looking at this, that like Liverpool, it has more of a thoughtful response. Because I think that's the thing that's aggravating is some of the teams have said stuff here in the U.S. And it's just, you could have put that out at any other time of the day. It could have been... It, we, they could have come out with that in November, and when it, like, it doesn't address anything going on right now. It doesn't address the situation. It doesn't look like you're even knowing that this has happened. And I know that people listening to this are going to be like, well, why do they have to say anything? Because at the same time, people are reassessing their trust in things above them right now. And that goes to sports teams too because at the end of the day you you have the decision to put your time and money and care into a team that you they you don't owe them technically they owe you they should be asking you for your money um and people are looking at that right now and you have the full right to to, to judge a team by how they deal with a humanitarian crisis this isn't a political issue. It, it doesn't matter. You can't vote this out. Like, the human being has to do something to step in here and do something. And to see so many people and so many teams just kind of just take forever or just put out something half-assed, it's just
0: it's just beyond me. I just don't get it. But, yeah. Yeah, it took, I know for Major League Soccer's league office, it took until this afternoon for a statement. The one thing, you know, not to give, giving credit's the wrong thing, they at least used the word murder, which hasn't been seen almost anywhere, but although on the other side, they hid the post on the communications Twitter, the official MLS account has retweeted some players and a couple of teams, but at last count, to your point, only about half of the teams across MLS and NWSL have said anything, and and the ones that have, it, it hasn't been particularly meaningful. Again, there's players who have made very meaningful statements um, about it, but... To your point, especially in a time where in a year where money's going to be tighter than usual and potentially going forward, the you know, people are deciding, you know, um, there's it's not just about what's on the field that determines someone whether they're going to support something. And especially in these times, to your point, an issue that shouldn't be seen as political, that should be simply seen about one as human decency, if clubs are too afraid to even touch that with a 10-foot pole if they're se- if if they're going to make the statement that we view this situation as too political I think you know certainly people have the right to react to that in a way that there's going to be some serious reevaluation about how clubs are viewed they're going to be viewed maybe one way for what's going on on the field and for the exploits that the players are bringing to the table but these clubs are you know they're part of communities and I think I'd agree with you in that it does feel like clubs are abdicating their responsibility as part of that community to simply ignore the hurt and the heartache and the pain that so many people across those communities in which they play are feeling right now. Yeah, and it's just,
1: is it really, like, are you really that tied to, like, keeping everyone? And what does that mean? And all these teams sometimes just... You know, any other time they just tweet out this this bullshit that, like, oh, we diversity and inclusion matters and all this stuff, and you have an opportunity to show that, and these teams are just really dropping the ball on it, and it just... I I just don't get how, you know, like, quote-unquote, when this passes, like, how they're going to expect to, like, to come to black supporters and be like, hey, like, do you want to come to a game? Like, no, why would I? Like, you've shown that, like, if something... When, when when there's an issue affecting a community that like let's be honest about soccer it like in the US at least is very small mm-hmm. like and you had years to, to grow with this community and you know when you're gonna plead to them after after this is quote unquote all done like it, we're all gonna look at you sideways like you had a chance to stand up for us for once and it's just it's, it's just falling flat. So
0: with the clubs not saying much, I mean, we I have seen, you know, a couple of Chicago players, soccer players say several things publicly. CJ Sapong from the Fire, Sarah Gordon from the Red Stars, I would say have been the most outspoken. On the player level, you know, we look at guys like, like Tyler Adams and like Weston McKinney who are African-American. Does it, the fact that there weren't, you know, white players in the Bundesliga this weekend making those kind of statements or that... We haven't seen as much of that leadership in American soccer, especially to your point, the black community is growing in American soccer and is a community that has been overlooked for so long. What what do we need to see from players across the board in this situation? Because if the clubs are going to abdicate their leadership in this and people will judge them how they see fit, the next responsibility comes to the players, correct?
1: Right. I mean... I think it comes to everybody. Like, I mean, this is a situation where I don't think your class or like your standing really should affect like what you, how you view this. Like, this isn't like, this isn't like, I see people like looking at like the looting and rioting and saying like, well, they lost my support. Like, it's really not a talent show. It's not like an audition. Like this is, so, like, you have a group, a community that's been screaming for decades about how they're getting victimized by police and getting victimized by all these systems that just don't change, and people are like, no, or like, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, why are why is that the reaction? Mm-hmm. So, clubs have a responsibility, players have a responsibility, fans have a responsibility the owners have a responsibility people in the, the, the commentator booth have a responsibility it's time to expect everyone to be on the same level on these things in terms of responsibility and making this better like clubs don't get a pass because they have bigger reach and they have more people to worry about like it, it, everyone needs to, to, to put aside like just standing up for hatred and just going the other way Like I don't understand why it's so hard
0: it's. I, th- I think that's that's really. I think at the at the frustration of all of it because in the end, the people who first res- re- first responses to go to the reaction were never were never and say to your point who pretend it's an audition and their support has been lost. Sadly, their support was probably never there in the first place. And also, clubs are made up of people. Players are human beings as well. And to your point, this is something that as a human being should move you to care, and that should then be reflected in. The communities in which you know you are embedded, whether that be you know a club you work for or at your job, if you're a player or anything else, I I agree. The soccer response has been disappointing domestically, um, and as much as internationally, um, that there has been some statements made. I I it I think you're totally right that it has done nothing but magnify the weakness of the gestures, if any, that have been that have been made here. I'm just
1: tired of being angry that like. It's just, yeah, we could just go on the next thing, but
0: yeah, obviously I can. I, tra- I could
1: spend like all day on this. Oh yeah, I no, just, and like I said, I'm this tired is tired of being angry,
0: honestly. Right, and again, this is not you know, there are you know, there are, first of all, there are people much more educated on it than me to talk about it, but two, this you know, um, this is certainly something that could go on all day, and all you know, that could go on for hours. But if people are going to spend, if people out there are going to spend hours really trying to, you know educate themselves on this topic and really hear from voices who need to be heard right now this mine is not the the one to do it and I don't feel like a soccer podcast is the place for that so I think I think we can leave it there for now um again there was soccer um played this weekend and I do want to start by talking about the um the Köln Leipzig game um Jake you've made a point and other people who were surround who associate with Cole have made a point this team is never boring um Today's game wasn't boring, but I, I think um, it kind of was a, maybe a bit more of the same in that you know, Kond struggles that haunted them earlier in the year you see at points, and Leipzig's ability meanwhile to just steamroll teams rears its head at times. From a Kond fan perspective, what was kind of what was kind of your, your thought on what you what you saw today? It's just bad,
1: like. Like they, like, they were playing so well. That's not taking away from human suffering, but it's just a reality of, like, what happened. It's, like, teams that had momentum had to figure out how to, like, get everyone back in training. And, you know, people are are getting injured like crazy because, like, you just lose your match fitness. I think, like, I forget where I heard it, but I know a player said there's no way you can be match fit without playing matches. So Right. Um, and that really hurt Cone for some reason and then jointly to that is that this is a team that really I mean our home record before all this was really it's it's always been very good because the home support's so good and you're seeing how home support really does affect the game in some matters and they just don't have that and it's just it's just they've come out so slow and it just hurts to see because this is a team that won 11, eight out of their last 11 after being in last place for like a few weeks. Like, they have it in them. And it's just the, the, the ground got taken out of them. It's just hard to watch.
0: Yeah, the good news for Coln is there should be enough breathing space between them and the drop zone to for them to be pretty safe. Um, you talked about how many injuries we've seen, and that's certainly been a highlight of the last couple weeks. I, I, I would, as a casual observer, think it's pretty serious. If Jan Cordoba, John Cordoba has to miss a match or two, that's a huge deal for Cologne, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, he's the most informed striker we have right now. Um, Modest scored today, but I mean, since he's been back on the team, he hasn't really performed to the level he was at when he played with us before. Tarada has really not been doing it, but he also hasn't gotten a whole lot of time, so you just don't know what he's going to do. It's just... And then like that, like Cordova being, I I would be shocked if he's playing the next game or like the next few games. But we also are missing our, uh, one of our star center backs, Sebastian Bornow, who Mm -hmm. had the red card. And like he was definitely missed today. And like, you know, it's just, I was, it's like one thing after another, man.
0: I was shocked to see Chicos after that back injury and have no and came out of nowhere. I didn't even have him initially in my notes for the game. I assumed he wasn't playing. To see him start at center back today, and you know, I thought he did just okay. But man, to to throw a guy in the deep end against the likes of Timo Werner for his first action back in months felt like a, a bold play that didn't necessarily pay off today.
1: I mean, they don't really have a choice, though, because the other center back who you would theoretically replace with, I mean, because he was, I think he was starting for most of the season and he got injured, bef- like, way before the, the, the break right started. But, like, the other center back that you're looking at is Jorge Mera, and he hasn't really played that much this year either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's really the lesser of two evils. Um, he should have just, I, like, I agree, like, he really got thrown into the deep end having to go against Werner, but, I mean, it, it was just not a good performance today.
0: Yeah, tough performance from Koln. Um, not a great performance from Leipzig in moments early, but they certainly found their groove, and that team's ability to go from 0-60 to 60 in a split second is, is incredibly impressive. There's a reason so many of those guys are top of lists of uh, transfer rumors around Europe, the likes of Werner. Upamakano, and Kuku, guys who have clear amounts of talent who are going to go on to bigger and better things than RB Leipzig as they get back to third in the table firmly in the Champions League race. Um Jake, the other thing that I think people would what I think enjoy hearing about is how you got into FC Köln in the first place because you know, there's obviously large followings in America of Bayern Munich, of Borussia Dortmund, the teams that win things that are known for playing very exciting soccer. But beyond that in the Bundesliga, I feel like it's a pretty niche league. So I know that several members, in addition to yourself, of the Fire and Red Stars supporter community have gotten really into colon over the past couple years. So why did you guys pick that team? How did you decide that that was the way to go? What was what was the, the process that led to you guys picking them as your team and saying this is who you're rolling with for better or worse?
1: Yeah, so I've been a fan for a while now but I mean really like when it really picked up was I was studying abroad in um a city called Bonn which is like a 15 minute train ride from Cologne um and like it's just so infectious like I, I think that's something that's missed people that like the big teams in Premier League or like the or Bayern or Dortmund even I would even throw them in there like it's just not, it, I, it's probably easy for me to say because all the teams I like are really bad, but like, <laughs> it's not about winning all the time. Like, home has so much history, like, you know, you see how big they are in the community because there's so many players that are from the area that like leave their teams to go play or come up through the youth academy. Um, the city just loves that team so much and like, I think my friends who have told about the team and, like, like you know, they watched the game with me or came to a watch party at AJ Hudson's or something, they, like, can see that. So, um, you know, like, no discrediting Bayern fans or anything like that, but it's just, like, it's just not the same.
0: Right. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a couple guys who, you know, I think some something we see a lot in soccer is when you're a decent-sized team and they go down all the talent just leaves and scrambles and goes for a better payday i i think you know doing research on Cole, the g- guys like timo horn and jonas hector who have been to hell and back with this team and have stayed around for the whole time i have to imagine that their relationship with Cole fans is unlike anything you're going to see in most of modern soccer where it's so much about the money and players seem to move on from clubs so quickly for guys like that to stick around in the way they have and really just become part of the fabric of the team in the city yeah i mean
1: like you know it's hard to say like because i don't i haven't lived there all the time of course but like it's so evident and you know at the end of the season when we did get relegated like people like fans were just like man this is not gonna go well and like Timo Warren apparently like he gets rumored to go to like Arsenal and Liverpool every now and then, and like I know me personally, I was like, man, this is it. Like he's definitely leaving. And you know, when a few of the players just announce that they weren't moving on and they're going to play through the second league, it's just like I like I think that's something that not to harp on Bayern fans again, but like, <laughs> I think that's something they'll never understand. Is like. Being in the lowest of the low, and your players being like, "Nah, like I love this team so much, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave and go to a bigger payday when I definitely could." Like Jonas Hector plays, starts on the national team sometimes. He could go literally anywhere else, and he chose to get relegated. And it's just like moments like that. Really, like you know, we don't win the league. We, we're not in Europa League or anything well we were but like we're not we don't go there consistently or anything but it's like those things just mean a lot more than signing a a multi-million dollar player and winning the league eight times
0: yeah because certainly i remember the 2018 world cup you know at a time where i didn't know that much about jonas hector when you see a player on a world cup squad especially germany's world cup squad playing in the two bundesliga it's like okay something's up there like some that doesn't that doesn't seem right, but no, it's, it's a credit to Hector, who again, this season has shifted his position to accommodate what the team needs of him. And again, when you're a club like a Byron, you're just kind of filling spots as you need them. So I, I think it, you don't really have that experience of a player who is the kind of guy who's going to say, I will do whatever you want me to do to help this team succeed because maybe we're a little short in some areas and we're, you know, we've got more numbers than others. So no, I think, you know, the, the career of a guy like a Jonas Hector, I think is really impressive. Same thing with the Timo Horn, who again, is a guy who's luck unlucky to have been born in the age of Manuel Neuer and Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. I mean, the guy started for Germany at the Olympics a couple of years ago, and there's just no way he's ever going to find the Germany squad. He certainly could have tried to press the issue a bit maybe by, you know, going to a bigger name club like, you know, an Arsenal type team. But, you know, instead he's... Stayed committed to Cole and I can appreciate that as a fan. That that's about the the largest statement of confidence a player could get could give a fan base.
1: And I'm gonna lose a favorite with fans again because I feel like they're gonna think I'm like railing on them because. Kimmich also, Kimmich also has put, done whatever Bayern has told
0: right, Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. He's he like a
1: billion positions. He'd probably play goalkeeper if they need him, to. Uh,
0: honestly, I said this last week, um, <laughs> that I would pay money to watch a team of 11 Joshua Kimmichs play a team of 11 David Alibos, because I honestly think it would be great soccer. Because um, those guys have just been... You know incredible in their adaptability over the years you know alaba a guy who mostly played left back now plays center back but he plays number 10 for the austria national team like it's, it's the one thing you have got to respect Bayern for that team is just full of guys who are all around just incredibly talented footballers not even particularly talented in necessarily one position and not others you know you can n- jumble all those guys up and they'd still be a juggernaut to deal with um so, then I guess, what would be your... What's your pitch? So, like, when you tell someone that they should get into Colm, or you want to... Or somebody just started watching the Bundesliga and is looking for a team, what's what's the elevator pitch for, for signing up for this?
1: I mean, honestly, like, I know a lot of people were going into the Bundesliga with no team. I really tried outside of Gladbach and Leipzig to, like, let people just find their team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Like, if someone was like, well, why are you a home fan? It's like, well, because, like, I think one of the draws for the Bundesliga for people who want, like, who love it so much is, like, it doesn't feel like the Premier League because these teams really run themselves kind, like, hopefully, like, the, the ideal image is, like, like a family. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, not to go back to earlier conversation, but, like, through all of the stuff this past week and everything, like, the team reached out to me and asked if I was okay, like, before the fire did. Like, it's, it's stuff like that that, like, really sticks out and the, like, the 50 plus one rule that sticks out and, like, Krohn takes that super seriously. I think they have the third most registered members in for a German team behind Bayern and Dortmund. Um, and, like, it's just something you have to see for yourself. I think, like, I can harp on, like, how much I love watching them, how much I love the players and all that. But, like, I think a lot of these times you just have to, you know, really look at yourself. Like, look up when we went to Europa League and, like, F, like, you know, you have 50-year-old dudes crying in the stand. And, like, look up when uh, we, like, took over Arsenal Stadium to, when, for our first game of Europa League, like, European game in 25 years. Like, you know... I think, like, those kind of stuff, even though we we also have the game where you lose 4-2 to, to, like, like, it's just, like, a a balance. And it's not for everyone. I get it. Like, you know, there's a lot of depression already in the world and, like, soccer, like, Chrome adds to that sometimes. (laughs) But um, I think, like, the other payoff for it is just completely worth it.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. So if you're – especially if you're in Chicago and looking for a team to support other than the big boys there's an option for you um Jake before we go I do want to ask you about um so today we we have it officially that the Chicago Red Stars will be back June 27th they're playing in the first game on big CBS that afternoon against the Orlando Pride um while it's exciting to have you know Chicago soccer coming back it is going to be in Utah so it's not going to be local um, I expect, though, that you guys over at Black will have some things planned as time goes on between now and then of, of how you guys are going to try to get some fan engagement in these games despite the fact that they're out in Utah.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, I think our view on that um, is, like, we are there to help, but, like, we also just want Local 134 to do their s- stuff, too. Right. Um, so, you know, we, I've been talking to, like, Maggie and other members, and, um, I think because of, like, the draw happened today and people are kind of realizing what it's going to look like more, I think those are going to be, like, those efforts are going to be picking up a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just here to help. Like, you know, Local 134 obviously knows what they're doing. They don't need any they help. They do.
0: With, um,
1: you know they—they they don't need us to like overtake them, and that's not our place to do that. Right. So, um, you know, we want to help and bolster and and make things fun because you know everyone needs that right now. Um, but yeah, I think like the other part point that I want to make just real quickly and like not to.
0: Oh yeah, go right um, ahead.
1: Take away from a podcast, but no,
0: like, yeah, go. You
1: know if you follow Black Fires, or, like, you know, follow any of our members, and you're like, man, these guys, like, I thought they were a soccer group. Like, sports is a great escape, but not everyone can use it to escape. And, you know, that's why we didn't really talk too much about the Red Stars drawing first, which is awesome, so they can smash the pride, hopefully. Um, (laughs) It's just, like, it's just such a hard time to really think about sports in this kind of case. Like, right. Um you know, you have the, the reason why we started, like people not feeling safe going to the game because they felt like they're out of place. And now imagine that feeling of, like, not wanting to go to the game. Imagine that just being outside. And we just want to focus on that first and figure out what we can do to help that. And um, when Local 134 talks about what they're going to do to get people watching the, the game, which, I mean, you guys should be – hopefully paying for whatever you need to pay for and whatever 6 dollar a month you, thing you need to pay for to support one soccer just do it Yeah.
0: But, no, um, no complaining on that front if anybody if anybody's <laughs> belly aching over 6 bucks it's like okay again you weren't you weren't on board in the first place if this is what's going to kick you off the kick you off the support wagon at this point so and like, I get
1: money's tight right now for people like I I totally get it but, but... I mean if you it's it's, I will, I will pay for your, your membership if you need it. Like, it's, it's really, it shouldn't be a big issue. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a confusing time. Mm-hmm. We're trying to work through it. Everyone's trying to work through it. And, you know, when, when soccer does come around, then we will, you know, you can bet, like I said, 100% attendance. We're going to be at whatever local put put together and, um, cheering on Sarah Gordon. Hopefully she, Gets like a thirty-yard bicycle kick, thirty-yard um, <laughs> bicycle kick goal in the upper corner. Like we're, we're hoping for that too. So yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at.
0: Yeah, and to your point, while while sports, you know, in in all contexts to- contexts of life are very much a distraction. You know, there's only so much there's only so much attention they can pull away, and certainly they are they feel very secondary right now. The NWSL announcement this morning, as I was tweeting about it, I, you know, it felt like. You know, it felt weird to even be having such a thing go on right now because it just the microscope is on the fact that it is so secondary. But absolutely, it would be. You know, it it will certainly feel good to have Chicago soccer back. And I'm not going to argue with the Sarah Gordon 30-yard bicycle kick. So I I think. Yeah, I don't don't know
1: anyone who would not want to see that.
0: Yeah, so I I think I think I think you know if a month from now, I think certainly everyone would appreciate that. So uh, Jake, thank you again. So much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Um, you know, uh, following t- you know, I know it was the context was following a cold game, and that's the original reason I wanted to make sure you came back on the show. Now that we were in kind of Bundesliga mode, but obviously the events of the world right now merit our attention much more than the soccer does. So I, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts honestly, and um, you know, and voicing your voicing your opinion not only on you know, on the soccer stuff, but on, you know, the kind of the failures we've seen in leadership domestically in soccer, but also just the fact of the matter is that, you know, this isn't about sports and this really shouldn't be about politics either, that this is just a, a fundamental issue of humanity, that, that that this is something we all need to be focused on right now. We all need, and we all, especially those of us who don't, whose lives aren't as impacted by events like the murder of George Floyd, what what role we play in all of this, and we know where our focus should be right now. So again, thanks so much, so much, Jake, for taking the time. I really appreciate it, and hope hope to have you back on the show um sometime in brighter days ahead.
1: Yeah, man. I like I just want to take a moment and say like I really appreciate you like just listening, giving me the time. I know it's so, first about the cone, of course, but you know, not running away from having that conversation. So that. That's really
0: cool. What yeah, want to do you know? I know right now is not not my time, but you know, if I can can help get you, help get you out there talking about it more and, and more people hear what you had to say because of it, then then that is certainly the least I can do. So absolutely happy happy to do that. And a quick shout
1: out if you ever if my thrilling elevator pitch reeled you in, um, you could just I'm sure Alex will tag us in the tweet for the recording, but. We do a virtual watch party for every game, so you know you, we could just throw you the link. And you know we we have fun with our, our friends in Cincinnati and Portland, and you know we're really going all over the U- U.S. So.
0: And so, didn't Derek Ray it. show up today? Yeah, he 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 uh, came before the game. So yeah, so you have internationally renowned soccer commentators hopping on watch parties for FC Colton Chicago. So you never know what you're going to get there. So it's, you know, I I was watching and commentating the game, so I couldn't be there, but I wish I could. And I'm definitely going to try to jump onto one in the next couple weeks when I'm doing a game that isn't Colton. So I will make it a point that I've got to get to one of these things. Yeah, man, uh, you're
1: like, without a question, you're welcome, man.
0: Sounds good. Well, I'll look forward to that again, Jake. Thank you so much. Be well, and we'll talk soon. Awesome.